Hey everyone, welcome to episode 98 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello! Uh, and everyone seems to be slowing down for the holidays at this point, so there's there's not much new stuff we can talk about, but we've uh, got a couple of things, such as uh, some broken things that we're both experiencing, a little bit of uh, Mario Maker 2 news, uh, and a whole lot on Assassin's Creed. I've heard of that! <laughs> Quite a few people have. Okay, so updates from the previous episode. Uh, I just wanted to talk about Bloodstained. I gave an update on that big patch that they did a couple of weeks back, uh, and I, you know, confidently said that they had delivered everything they'd promised. Uh, well, I was really enjoying it, uh, and I got a little further into the game, and then I started getting hard crashes all over again. <laughs> it's just frustrating because it's it's one of the it's an exploration platformer. There are like specified save rooms that you have to find when you you hit a new area and if you don't hit them and your game hard crashes you just lose a heap of progress that uh, honestly i just hit the point where i couldn't be bothered going back to it anymore so uh yeah i think just just from looking at socials and stuff i i think i've had the harder end of the deal on this yeah one other people have uh but Equally, I, I don't think I can be blamed for just saying I can't be bothered anymore. Yeah, like we're done. Once I got past the Twin Dragons, like the game still had that very slight input delay, but I didn't encounter any more hard crashes after that. Just just the performance problems that everybody was running into, which I understand have largely been patched out. But I was able to finish it. But yeah, I, I don't think you're missing anything by not by not finishing it, except you know paying. 40 bucks for a game and then not finishing it which would be a hard pill for me to swallow it's just a shame because i was you know i've missed out on castlevania apart from the uh the 360 reboot of sorts and (laughs) i i just sort of saw this as like my my modern castlevania that i could sink my teeth into excuse the pun that was completely accidental by the way um uh, and which started with the uh the curse of the moon precursor 8-bit precursor they did which was a really good game yeah that that is fantastic i still recommend people check that out but i yeah i, I just saw this as like my my little way into a, a franchise that i hadn't really managed to get into before so yeah it's a shame i just well they'll patch it again but I, i'm done with it now i've got other stuff to play that that I, I don't feel i have that risk of it happening to me so yeah uh now speaking of broken things you're your Nintendo Switch is not in a healthy state at the moment, I believe. It's the worst it's ever been. Like, let's let's just be completely candid here. I, I did have a launch day Switch, and I've had a problem with pretty much every hardware component on my Switch so far. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, that that's just the nature of launch hardware. I'm disappointed, but not surprised. But yeah, my, my SD card is completely non-functional. It will no longer read SD cards, and I've tried compressed air on it i ordered a can of electronic contact cleaner and i tried that and nothing like it's got to be something internal that's happened i'm gonna have to send my switch in i'm gonna send it in in early january during our hiatus and hopefully it'll be back relatively quickly before tokyo mirage sessions comes out and i'll just have to survive without my switch for two or three weeks i'm real excited about that 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 really sucks um yeah, I, I've the worst I've had is the the mildly cracked vents on the top of the launch one, which still <laughs> kills me to this day. But I've got it easy 
in, compared to your problems there. Well, that's that's bizarre too because I take my Switch with me to work every day. I take it to the laundromat with me every weekend. Like physically, my Switch is still in near mint condition, except for the kickstand. I did have to replace the kickstand because the little fastener bit that was attached to it that holds it in place actually broke off. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully uh, they come back to you pretty quickly and you, you're not without a switch for too long because it really is the best console or my most used uh okay so with that let's uh, get on to the little bit of switch news we have okay so the only switch news we've got is they surprise released an update for super mario maker 2 version 2.0 introduces spikes spinies and frozen blocks and weirdly Gives you the Master Sword so you can turn into Link. Uh, that took me by surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have not played this game for ages. I loved it to bits when it first came out. I have no idea how this would have affect things. I imagine it changes at least the combat stuff quite drastically. Uh, you've not been tempted to boot this up since? I've been tempted. I simply haven't had time. Especially since I'm I'm so locked into that process of beating a game and moving on to the next one. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't... I need to make time in my life for games that are just like Mario Maker 2. I don't want to call it a service game because it's not a service game. It's just a game that has as much life as you care to inject in it from the community. Mm-hmm. And I just, I simply don't make the time for that. I need to set aside like one night a week where I play Mario Maker 2 or something, but I just haven't been doing it. But I absolutely adored this game when it launched back in June. And once I finished that story mode, I spent a weekend just playing the 100 mario challenge no not that's not called the 100 mario challenge anymore um the endless challenge just over and over and over (laughs) and when i saw that they added link to it and this is a full feature link it's not like the amiibo costumes and the wii u mario maker game this is link with sword attacks and he can blow things up with bombs and he's got the pegasus boots and he can jump (laughs) so I really need to get back to Mario Maker because this opens up a completely new dimension of the kinds of levels you can make. Um, I did see a few people say that sort of puts the uh, nail in the coffin of a an idea of a Zelda Maker anytime soon, but I, uh... I just think it could be the opposite. They could be testing things, just seeing how people take to it and what they can do with it. I know, I know it's a side-scrolling platformer, but uh, you know, I, I'm not counting out that happening at some point soon. I don't think it will happen soon, but I'm not counting it out. It never happening. It just it might oh, take a while happen. longer. It's got to happen, and it's it and it will be better than the the dungeon, the custom uh, dungeons. Yeah. Like okay, so let's uh, get on with what we've been playing this week. And actually, more to the point, it's what you've been playing this week, and it's a whole <laughs> lot of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> whole lot of assassin's creed so you picked up the rebel collection yeah which just came out so what's included in the rebel well, the rebel collection has depending upon your perspective it has two or three assassin's creed games in it it has assassin's creed 4 black flag and it has assassin's creed rogue and it has assassin's creed freedom cry which was originally dlc for black flag but was later released as a standalone game because it's a pretty substantial piece of dlc so you know it's two games it's three games however you want to read that but it's a pretty great package because black flag is the assassin's creed that everybody loves so 
that's kind of probably what you're spending your money on and then rogue and freedom cry are just bonuses for you if you're interested in those things cool so uh that my my first question is uh, black flag was a, a pretty big open world game with like sea traversal and a lot of moving parts uh how does that hold up on the switch the sea traversal still holds up pretty well it feels good to move around in the ship and the battles like well the battles were so popular that they're making the skull and bones i think is the game ubisoft has been working on for six years now and (laughs) is supposed to be out anytime soon they've been saying that for a while but it also inspired sea of thieves which actually i don't really know what the sea battles and sea of thieves are really like but I'm pretty sure that Sea of Thieves was inspired by the popularity of Black Flag as well. So this was a game that had a lot of legs on it and really took on a life of its own beyond its Assassin's Creediness. It was the first one to like really change up the 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 template that was set by the first one. I think so. Yeah, more so the second one. The first one was a pretty bare bones game. It it was the second one that the rest of the series was really modeling themselves after. I, I enjoyed the first one a lot, but I, yeah, the second one really expanded on the first one's ideas, made it le- a, a little less repetitive, um, and all the actions a bit more interesting. Just side note, my absolute favorite of those early games is Brotherhood. I did not like Brotherhood at oh, all. I loved, <laughs> I loved it, but I never played any of the ones after. Mm. Do you want to give us a rundown of, of each game, how it works, and how you're finding it? Well, what both the games have in, have in common is they are... Assassin's Creed games, especially the old style Assassin's Creed games, they've they've been kind of soft rebooted since Origins into a a much more open style, a much more free playing style, and has a lot more RPG elements to it. At least as I understand, I haven't actually played <laughs> Origins or Odyssey. They're supposed to be really good, but uh, I just haven't played them. Yeah, I, I I really want to. Like I, when they were doing the A uh, three stuff. Uh, origins in particular i was like wow i i actually want to play an assassin's creed again <laughs> um and they they do look great uh so yeah but they they are very different beasts to, to the ones on this collection at least yeah because assassin's creed and the old style games like they didn't start the ubi sandbox kind of genre you know where ubisoft games are all they're not the same but they have kind of the same concepts I'll, I'll, there's, a, there's a blueprint yeah i'll elaborate on that a little more but like uh, <laughs> that, that really did start with far cry but uh assassin's creed was what really popularized it and kind of made it so that way most of ubisoft's franchise is going forward like the only one i can think of that doesn't still follow that is mario plus rabbits which is only one game so maybe doesn't count as a franchise yet but it's assassin's creed you know you you climb a tower you get to the top of the tower that fills in part of the maps you can see all the icons you go to the icons and there's activities there or maybe there's just a box that you open or something a collectible you grab and that's the same thing everywhere you go like there might be an activity like if we're talking about black flag one activity is attacking slave colonies and freeing the slaves and burning the crops the first time you do that it's interesting the fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth time you've done that it's the same activity it's just on a different map and Mm -hmm. that's just repeated wholesale across the entire world map of whatever assassin's creed game you're playing across 
the franchise all the way up through Origins when they finally realized people were getting sick of this and decided to do something else across Far Cry and across Assassin's Creed, across uh, across Starlink, you know, all those games, mm-hmm. same stuff. Um, th- doing this stuff, like, it, it basically is just having a big, long checklist of activities to do. And it's enjoyable if you if you just are looking to turn your brain off for a night. But these are also huge games. So if you're doing it every night of the week for 50 hours, it gets a little grating and it does get a little repetitive. Yeah, it's it's good time filler, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, I sort of bounce back and forth depending on the, the game I'm playing as to whether that that grabs me but if if i get in the compulsive mood there's no no stopping me mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> absolutely like this is a great series to play if what you're really more paying attention to is netflix on the screen beside you mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh they're still good games i do enjoy them uh, especially the two games that are in the rebel collection because of that pirate stuff we talked about uh but assassin's creed 4 black flag is it's the Assassin's Creed that even people who don't like Assassin's Creed liked, and there's a pretty big reason for that, is it's got more of a spin on what the series was at the time. Uh, it has a new spin on the Animus that gives a much more satirical edge. We should probably talk about what the Animus actually is. Because um, when you're playing Assassin's Creed, you're actually playing in a computer simulation called the Animus, which uses the genetic memory of this group of... I don't know how to, how to really describe them. This group called the Assassins who are in this secret war with the Templars over this old technology, this this alien technology from what they call the first civilization that was on the planet Earth and all the junk they left behind that lets them do super cool things. Like in the first batch of games, there was really concerned with the Apple of Eden, which lets whoever holds it, control people's minds. Uh, that was the big MacGuffin in the first batch of games, but that all got resolved in Assassin's Creed 3. So then you get into Assassin's Creed 4, and you've got a new player character, and you've got a new spin on the Animus. And the new player character is this faceless, voiceless, uh, random employee for a video game company, for Abstergo Entertainment, which <laughs> is secretly run by the Templars and... Th- it's not at all subtle that everybody you're working with is actually a Templar. If, you, if you've been following the series, you're like, oh yeah, these, these are Templars. Um, <laughs> and the, the funniest thing about Abstergo Entertainment is it's Ubisoft. It, like Their logo is Ubisoft's logo, just <laughs> rotated a little bit. And it's, it's, it's great fun seeing this, like Ubisoft, one of the, the most ridiculously huge video game publishers slash developers out there basically mocking themselves and saying we're run by people who want to conquer the world (laughs) (laughs) it'd be a better better takedown of like activision or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean for all of ubisoft's problems they're they're nothing like them but anyway um uh so as you're playing as this video game developer basically is you're being sent into the animus for research purposes into the genetic memory of this person that you don't know who this person is but if you played the past games you can probably guess who they are and how abstergo got a hold of their dna so they can get into their genetic memory once you get that far actually the game goes a very different way which is i think why more people 
appreciated Black Flag, especially after just the onslaught year after year after year, five years in a row of new Assassin's Creed games. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really moved away from the Assassins versus Templar plot because in this game you play as Edward Kenway, who is a Welsh commoner who has married a wealthy woman. That they, You can tell she genuinely loves him, but he has this massive inferiority complex about uh, his means and the, the type of work he can get. And he's just obsessed with finding a job that will make him as rich as he feels he needs to be to be worthy of this person, even though she doesn't care in the slightest and he just can't see it. So that was, that's what leads him to piracy in the Caribbean. And in the process of being a pirate, he gets into a fight with one of the assassins and he kills this assassin and steals their clothes and unwittingly sells assassin intel to the templars which does not at all endear edward to the brotherhood at first so it it separates the player from the good guys for the first time in the series and for a really large chunk of the plot like you do run into the assassins but they're absolutely not on good terms with edward and it's almost the end of the game before you're really you know you're part of the brotherhood as we're moving away from the Brotherhood and the Templars are a much smaller part of the plot, uh, a majority of the plot is based on known pirate history with some, you know, added alien technology thrown in there. Like uh, the Republic of Nassau was a real place and was actually a democracy that predated the United States in uh, the Western Hemisphere. And most of the pirates who are represented here in this game were real people. So basically what you have here is an open world pirate game with some alien technology thrown in that's based on real known history. And that resonated with a lot of people. This is basically an open world pirate game that has some Assassin's Creed elements thrown in more than it is an Assassin's Creed game. And it's it's a pretty excellent game. Um, I still liked it. Uh, As I said a couple episodes back, this is only entry in the series that I, I don't look back on and think of it as, a, as having been a waste of my time. And <laughs> I, I'm very happy to return it. This was a very late Xbox 360 PS3 game. It actually simultaneously launched on last-gen and current-gen systems. So like, mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty dang good-looking game, and it still looks really good on the Switch, too. And it runs really well on the Switch. I've been pretty happy with it so far. Um, so the Freedom Cry DLC that you mentioned, uh, what does that entail? One of the characters that Edward spends a lot of time, you know, working with, his name is Otto Wale. He's a uh, he's a freed slave who acts as Edward's first mate in the course of Black Flag, and he ends up joining the Assassin's Brotherhood as well. And basically, this is about Otto Wale leading a slave uprising, and uh, I haven't played it myself. But I, I do want to get to it because it's supposed to be like Black Flag itself. It's supposed to be excellent and it's supposed to be based on real history. Like uh, he, he ends up involved in, I believe, the Haitian Revolution, which was like this big slave uprising where they they overthrew their French owners and established their own country. It's a fascinating story. You should absolutely look it up. Uh, especially since uh, I don't want to get into that. Never mind. I'm not going to get into that on, on this podcast. Um, but it's fascinating <laughs> history. Look it up. And uh, as it's focused on real history, it's mostly 
again, removed from the assassin story, even though you do play as an assassin. Uh, so has a reputation for being excellent. You should probably check that out as well. Okay, so the, the other game that you get on this package is Assassin's Creed Rogue, which was just a, a last-gen only release, I believe. I think they remastered it eventually for PS4 and Xbox One. They did. It was kind of a weird game, and it got shafted, basically, because um, Assassin's Creed Unity uh, was the first game that was exclusive for next-gen consoles for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. But the same day that it came out, they actually had like a full Assassin's Creed game for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, which was Assassin's Creed Rogue, which is basically Black Flag 2. <laughs> it moves mm-hmm. the action of the game to the North Atlantic, um, especially uh, the the Northern Sea off the eastern coast of Canada. And it's about an assassin who decides that he doesn't want to live up to his creed anymore and actually defects to the Templars. And much like Black Flag, this was doing something completely different with the series, and uh, people reacted positively to it. But because of the way you know it was released, and like literally all the marketing that Ubisoft was doing at the time was for Unity, like. I'm sure there are plenty of people who had no idea that Rogue even existed right up to this day. This is the least played Assassin's Creed in the series, I have no doubt. And I'm excited to have a chance to play it here. It's actually the game that I've mostly been focusing on since I picked up this package. And it's definitely got its own spin on things. It, it certainly feels like playing Black Flag, but since you're set up in the North Atlantic and you're playing as basically a Templar, even though he's he's still an assassin, he's still dressed like an assassin, he still uh, fights like an assassin, so that's really not all that different. But you have to break up a lot of ice, and there's a lot of glaciers you have to deal with, or you can even weaponize the glaciers if you want to. That's all completely new stuff. And there's also actually two water environments that you navigate on the boat whereas black flag just had the one large chunk of the west indies uh there's actually a a river that you can go up i I think it's the hudson river actually although it's never called that in game and that gives you two very different you know kind of areas to explore with the ship and they do feel quite different because there's a lot of land in the river for you to explore as well I haven't gotten too far into it yet, but it certainly feels like more Black Flag, and as I said, I loved Black Flag, so I've been wanting to play Rogue for a long time, and I'm I'm very happy to finally have the opportunity here on Switch. Nice. Uh, okay, and just, just before we move on, you've also been playing... Uh, it's fast becoming uh, known as your favorite sort of genre, Nonograms. <laughs> There's a, a game called Nonograms Prophecy. Uh, this is basically like uh, Picross-style stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's an interchangeable name. Picross is the name Nintendo came up with, but the puzzle themselves, when you're not dealing with Nintendo's trademark, is called nonograms. And what a nonogram puzzle is, is it's just a grid uh, that has a picture hidden in it that's drawn with pixels. And what you do is you look at numbers on the outside of the grid that tell you how many pixels you need to put in on each grid and by working through the logic uh 
you'll be able to do that and you'll reveal the picture that's supposed to be there. Um, that's a terrible explanation, but it's a really hard thing to explain just on a podcast. So that's, that's, that's the gist of it. Uh, and Nonogram's Prophecy is a new release on the Switch. It's a budget game as well. I bought it for 99 cents because I think I got a discount on it because I owned a couple other games from the publisher and it was on sale for launch as well. But normally it's $4 to buy it so you know even at full price it's still cheaper than uh, the other Picross series on the Switch which is Picross S uh, which is excellent and I do recommend it Uh, there are three types of puzzles in Nonogram's Prophecy there's standard Nonogram puzzles there's color puzzles where you have to not just look at what pixels you need to fill in but also consider what colors they need to be and there's the big picture puzzles where you actually solve a lot of smaller puzzles to make one large picture and this is a really lazy game which maybe you expect for a budget nonograms game but i really need to emphasize how lazy it is as nearly all the large puzzles have multiple rows that can be completely blacked out or whited out like almost every single one Uh, And these are the easy mode puzzles because they basically give you free solutions on more than half the board. And most of the picture solutions that you're solving are simple computer icons and clip art. There's not really much here in the way of actual pixel art, which is like, you know, like a landscape that you sometimes draw or maybe a really detailed drawing of a real object. It's nothing like that. This is like the stuff you find when you go on Google and you set the search to clip art and you type in like spoon. That's the kind of stuff that you're solving here. (laughs) And in addition to being lazy, this game is broken. Uh, The number guides on the borders, which is everything that you're looking at to solve these puzzles, they don't gray out properly. When you gray out like a, a, a row of two pixels... Uh, then it'll just grow out the first number in the row. But if it's like the two pixels that are supposed to be on the far right of the puzzle and say that your solution for that row is two, two, and two, it'll solve the first two instead of the far right two, which can be really confusing on the larger puzzles. I feel really bad for newcomers to Nonograms who maybe buy this one to learn for the game because this is not... A good learning experience at all because the standard guide for this puzzle solutions is literally broken it does not show you your correct progress on the puzzle uh, there are multiple puzzles i came across which can't be solved with logic and i'm not going to explain how the logic works you just take my word for it because uh, again this is not a good format for explaining these things but uh there are logical steps you're supposed to take to find the solutions to nonogram puzzles and it is possible in bad puzzles to have large chunks of the grid where you can't use logic to find the solutions you can only brute force it to find the right answer and there were several puzzles where that was all i could do on the standard puzzles there are at least two puzzles that have broken interfaces you cannot interact with them in any way i just had to skip past these puzzles because they could not be solved Uh, and when I got to the color puzzle sets I solved one and I had every row on the grid blocked out and I went through every row to be absolutely certain that I had solved it correctly and I had the puzzle did not solve 
it's possible that this is just a puzzle where there's more than one solution. I don't think that's the case, but I gave up at that point. I just I just quit. <laughs> uh, I finished all the standard puzzles except for the broken ones that couldn't be interacted with, and I was like, okay, that's fine. I beat this one. I'm done. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so uh, I love nonograms, but this is not a good nonograms game. Do not recommend. Uh, I, I do still recommend Picross in general. There's a lot of good websites that offer free nonogram puzzles that if you're just killing time at work or school or at home or wherever you're at, that those are fun to do. And Jupiter Corporation has a, a series of really excellent Pycross games called uh, Pycross E and Pycross S on the 3DS and on the Switch. I recommend those as well. Cool. Uh, as someone that found Picross S really confusing as well, uh, it sounds like I would have had a nightmare with this one. Uh yeah, uh, a clear avoid. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, just to give you a bit of a, a rundown on what to expect f- from us between now and the end of the year, there, there's a good chance that the next time you hear from us will be our end of year special where we run through our favourite games and a whole heap of categories. Uh, the re- we are still holding out hope that Nintendo are going to spring a direct on us in the next week or so. So if that happens, we'll we'll have that out before we we hit the end of year stuff. Um. So Andrew, what are you planning on chipping away at over the hiatus? Uh, over the hiatus, I would like to finish Nina Cooney. I'm about twenty hours into it now, and How Long to Beat says it's a sixty-hour game, so I- I'm feeling pretty mm-hmm. comfortable. I can do that. Uh, I'd like to finish Resident Evil Four, Assassin's Creed Rogue. Uh, the Trine Ultimate Collection, and also Tuesday coming up, Shovel Knight King of Cards is out, so it's probably going to be well past a month when we come back from our hiatus since that game has come mm-hmm. out, but I will be talking about that first episode back from our hiatus. Uh, big, Probably the last big release for the year will be Shovel Knight King of Cards. And over Christmas break, I'm going to play Switcher 3. I think Switcher 3 is going to be my my holiday weekend game where when I have a, an extra long weekend, I'm going to be playing Switcher 3. Cool. For me, it's just going to be slow chipping away at Nino Cooney uh, and working my way through the Pokedex in the Sword. I'm, I think I've just breached the 210 Pokemon mark, and I'm just I just jump on every so often and do half an hour Pokemon hunting or uh, trying to figure out what I need to do to evolve the ones I have. Uh, I'm also currently weighing Christmas wind down mode, so I've started playing stuff on other formats that I've missed over the last couple of years. So just conversationally i uh just beat god of war just before recording <laughs> um boy just, uh, i, I love, loved it overall but um i just want to tell you the story i was in uh, eb games yesterday trying to track down a copy of neverwinter nights they didn't have it i had to resort to ordering online uh, so i should have one in the next couple of weeks i did um, play that a little bit this week not long enough to really talk about it but i just want to say i love that game graphically it is such a turn of the century relic <laughs> like nice. everything is like one polygon your character's arm one polygon <laughs> their leg one polygon i love it i i love the way that game looks nice so uh, as i was uh, trying to get the the lady at the store to find it for me there was this uh, little old lady next to me uh, and you know you just assume that they're there to to buy something for the their grandkids or whatever at christmas uh what got my ear was that she mentioned god of war 
this old lady was buying God of War for herself. <laughs> uh, and she was saying, like, she likes games where she can explore and sort of interact with the world to find out about the world. Uh, and the, the clerk tried to put her off on the combat, and she was like, nah, I'm sure I'll be fine. Just play it on easy. It's all good. I mean, it'll be fine. Yeah. But uh, I just I just wanted to give a shout out to that badass old lady. <laughs> um, and based on what she was saying she likes about video games, it took me everything not to just grab her by the shoulders and scream Breath of the Wild in her face. Well, we also shouldn't assume that she hasn't played Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, also also true. And we also shouldn't assume that she has to play on easy. <laughs> she she was after recommendations, and, and uh, the lady in the store would give her a bunch of good ones. So, yeah, I, I thought that was Skyrim. kind of sweet. And, and she was my, I bet she's already played that. Um, she was my 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 new hero. So. <laughs> Daggerfall, set her up with Daggerfall. Yes, oh Dark Souls if she likes picking out law. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. Okay, uh, thanks for listening to what is probably the last traditional episode of the Switch Focus podcast for this year, not ever. Uh, so if you enjoyed the episode please leave us a review on itunes it really helps us to get noticed you can listen and subscribe on stitcher TuneIn, and other podcast services be sure to join our discord server to interact with the lively switch focus community follow us on twitter youtube facebook and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates news and other content links are in the show notes if you'd like to support the show you can buy us a coffee please do i love coffee uh, and the details are on our website thanks in advance if that's something you want to do uh, this episode was edited by craig windle uh, you can follow him on twitter at craigity craig or via his music career account which is windmills at dawn uh, and he also produces all of our interludes for the show uh, and they're all awesome i'm sure you'll agree if you want to follow the three regular panelists on twitter you can do so i'm at flame roast toast andrew is at play critically he also streams at twitch.tv forward slash play critically where he plays most of the games that he talks about on the show uh, and you can follow Ginny at Ginny woes
Wall to Wall Kangaroos. Mate.